Welcome to the Sarah Centrella Show. Join best-selling author, master life coach, and manifesting expert Sarah Centrella as she shares tips, tools, and inspiring interviews to help you create your dream life. It's time to hustle and thrive. Now, here's your host, Sarah Centrella. All right, everybody. Welcome back to the Sarah Centrella Show so excited for this interview, Justin. I'm telling you, it is way too long in coming. Everybody, uh, you probably already know him if you've been following me for any length of time, because I have already been on Justin Shank's show. Uh, our second interview, I think, is, is going to air pretty soon. Um, yeah. And I spoke on your stage right before COVID and all that kind of stuff happened back in P Pennsylvania. Um and I'm so excited to turn the tables and ask you all the questions and get all of your knowledge and just learn. I mean, that is, we haven't really had this opportunity on this side of it. And, and you're, you have so much wisdom on so many fronts. Um, so everybody, welcome to the show, Justin. Sarah, thank you so much. I'm excited. I'm excited to have this conversation. I love our friendship and how it's evolving over time. And, you know, you coming on the show a second time is is a big deal. There aren't many people who get more than one shot. But as you continue to grow and evolve and help so many people, I was like, we have to have this conversation again. So I'm excited to be on your that. show. Yeah, I love that. And of course, like that second conversation was just as fire as our first. We connected immediately. You know, we didn't know each other before the first time I was on your show. And um, I think it stuck out to both of us that after the show wrapped, we talked for another probably 45 minutes or hour or something. And we were both like, okay, our whole day is gone. Like <laughs> it's just every, every once in a while you connect with someone, um, and you know, that that is a like-minded connection. It's not easy to find in this world that we live in. Um, it is one thing that I love about this platform with being a podcaster, you get those opportunities, but again, you don't always connect with every guest, right? And you don't uh, turn that into a friendship. And we've been really lucky in that way. Um, I consider myself lucky that uh, to have you in my circle. So the first thing that I love to kind of start off the show with is, as you know, my backstory is a big part of where I'm at and how I got here and all that kind of good stuff. And I truly feel like that's the case with everybody, whether their backstory is a big part of their success or not. I am so fascinated by getting to know a person and how they got to where they're at. So can you take us back before the podcast, before the entrepreneurship, kind of before everything, like where did all of this start? Tell us a little bit about that, the seed of the dream. Where did it all begin? Yeah, you know, it's a, it's really a loaded question because again, I do believe, and we talked a little bit about this when you're on my show a second time about, you know, adversities being a catalyst for so many people to create success, right? Like the things that we go through sometimes build our platform for us. Like your story is a great example of that. And so, you know, growing up and I'll, I'll go way back and then fast forward quickly, but, you know, I always jokingly say if there was a senior superlative in high school for least likely, likely to succeed, it would have been me. Uh, I had a 1.7 GPA at one point. My mom was in the middle of a 20 year opioid battle and my dad was in jail. And so like all signs pointed to you've got no shot. Like as a matter of fact, statistics say if your parents an addict, you have a 50% chance of being an addict. If your parents in jail, 50% chance of ending up in jail. Like I'm 100% screwed at this point. Wow. Like when you do the math on all of that. Uh, and so at the age of 19, obviously college wasn't in my future. I did do a couple semesters of community college. And I always point that out because I used to say I didn't go to college and then I got called out on it. So three <laughs> semesters of community, community college. college. We want to plug that in. <laughs> yeah, barely, barely attended classes. 
Uh, and I, I just just kind of decided it wasn't for me. And I got into direct sales, uh, which kind of led into entrepreneurship, the idea of public speaking, because I did really, really well with the company. Um, but more importantly, my mentor within the organization handed me a book called Who Moved My Cheese? And if you haven't read it, it's a book, super easy read. Like if it was a hard read, I wouldn't have read it. It was a super easy read. Um, and it essentially talks about how like you can't control the outside circumstances. Things are always going to change. All you can control is how you react to that change. And it really spoke to me in that moment going, what am I going to do with my life? Like the path that I was told my whole entire life, like that was for success. I wasn't going down that path. What am I going to do? Uh, and that was kind of the first bite of the entrepreneurial bug for me because I was creating my own time, creating my own income, um, but did not become a full-time entrepreneur until I was I was 31. Uh, so it's a long path of actual yeah. success in the corporate world and all these other things. Uh, and what ended up happening was I had three failed businesses throughout my 20s. And I was like, I am clearly doing this wrong. So let me start a podcast, interview entrepreneurs, pick their brain and figure out how to do it better. Um, but what happened was six months before I launched the show, my mom lost her 20 year battle to opioids. Oh. And this completely changed my view of life. Uh, it, instead of me chasing external wins, the cars, the girls, the houses, the things society said that I should chase as a man uh, for success. I really started to go inward and started to talk about self-love and overcoming adversities and how do you find happiness even in your rock bottom moments? And that's what the show was about. And then I was lucky enough to get some accolades like with Inc. Magazine and Entrepreneur and all these places uh, that really led to multiple streams of income and businesses and speaking all over the country. And I just feel really, really blessed. But again, if it weren't for those adversities, I wouldn't right. be where I am. So although I would love to have my mom back, like everything does happen for a reason as long as you give it a purpose. Yeah. Oh my gosh. There's so much I want to dig into there because as you know, adversity is a big part of, you know, well, it's a big part of my life throughout, but a big part of my public uh, story for sure. And, you know, in, in hearing you talk about the struggles that you had or just how the deck was really stacked against you, let's be honest. Like, like you said, there was a hundred percent statistically, you know, no one was going to back you uh, in the very beginning saying, yeah, this guy's going to succeed and, and all of that. So what do you think it is? Do you think it's an eight in a person or it's something that can be co cultivated that first initial kind of spark of like, Hey, maybe there's something else. Maybe I could do something. Maybe I could change my life. Like, do you remember any of those kind of pivotal moments for you right way back in the, in the beginning that got you on this path? Cause I think, yeah, I think people think that like either you have it or you don't. And if they're a person that doesn't believe they have it, you know, then they're like, okay, well, I guess I'm just, this is all I get, you know? Yeah. And you know, I, I think, so first of all, I think it can be learned. Um, but it starts with self-awareness. Mm -hmm. Um, and I was super self-aware at a young age just because of my parents' choices. Uh, and I had to kind of raise myself after a certain age in, in so many ways. And I didn't know what I wanted, but I did know what I didn't want. Yep. Uh, and so that was constantly in the back of my mind. Like, I don't want to go down this path. So it started with self-awareness. Uh, and then it kind of led to making sure I was surrounded by the right people, making sure that I had mentors, making sure that there are people that I could look up to. Um, and that's, and that's really when you talk about nature versus nurture, right? Like to change the nature around me, uh, change my vibration and made me realize there was potential for more. Um, yeah. And that was just about getting in the right rooms at, at, at a young age. And, you know, my aunts and uncles were a pivotal role in my life as far as their life choices and, and the good they were able to build. 
both in the home and financially for themselves. And so being able to see that, it gave me an awareness that it was possible. And so I think, you know, the self-awareness mixed with understanding that it's possible and then just figuring out the pieces along the way. Like, remember, I was 19 when I wanted to be an entrepreneur and wasn't an entrepreneur until I was 31. So there's a big gap (laughs) there on learning. Yeah, big, huge (laughs) learning curve, which I'm still on constantly. But right. a big learning curve to to figure it all out. But, you know, it's all about the journey. It's all about that process. Yeah, absolutely. And I love how you talked about who you surround yourself with matters. I don't think people understand the importance of that, you know, and especially when you're first starting out, there's a component of, do I belong in this room? You know, is everybody looking at me like I'm the odd man out? I was similar to you. I didn't graduate um, from college. And so I always kind of had that inferiority complex, but also, I don't know, knew that one day I would truly belong. And so it was okay that I was there. (laughs) You know what I mean? You know what I mean? Like, I never went in like, oh, I'm your equal. I'm a peer. I'm the shit. I went in with like, how can I soak up and sponge up anything and everything? Like I'm watching mannerisms. I'm watching how people interact. I'm not just watching what they say. I'm like absorbing all of it and going, Ooh, how could I plug it in? How could I plug it in? What about you? And especially in the beginning too, from your background and you're starting to like surround yourself with high level people, uh, mentally, would you go through to, to, to do that? I think a lot of people are pretty intimidated to do that in the first place. Yeah, honestly, I, I think it really hit me when I launched the podcast uh, and started to get bigger names on the show. And like, you know, we're talking about celebrities and billionaires and, you know, New York Times bestselling authors and like people in in my book to this point are, are still leaps and bounds ahead of me. Right. Um, so there was a, there was definitely a, a sense of like, okay, do I even deserve to have this conversation? Right. Like, right. you know, wh- when I started finding mentors in the, in the business side of things, I was 19 and I was one of the top sales reps in the country. So like, I felt like I kind of belonged for that reason, but right. the real like pressure or the lack of feeling like I, I belong there really began when the, the success of the podcast started to take off. Um, and I had to constantly remind myself that no, like I've earned these conversations. Like it had to be an internal battle and and struggle there to to really feel comfortable. And to be completely honest, people ask me all the time, like, do you ever get nervous before you interview somebody? I go every single time, every single time, um, because I want to make sure that I do right by them. I want to make sure that I do right by my audience. Um, And honestly, like the end of the day, I, I get to call a lot of the people I interview friends and I think that comes from, you know, living in the purpose and the conversation and that connects in so many different ways. But I think for me, there was a, a for years, actually, there was a real sense of like, who am I? Who am mm-hmm. I to have this platform? Um, but I also knew that people were reaching out to me and saying, because of your podcast, I didn't, I decided not to take my life because of your show. Yeah. I, I've launched my own podcast because of your show. I decided to start my own business. And I realized that even through my nerves and my, my uh, lack of feeling like I belonged, I needed to keep showing up. And so making sure that I quieted my own voice and turned up the voices of others really helped me through that process. Um, but again, it's like anything else that we do, it's a process. Yeah. It's learning, right? That's why I always say like imposter syndrome is such a dangerous thing to label yourself with because like strip it away. And at the end of the day, all it is, is learning. That's literally what it is. It's hands-on learning. So everybody feels that way when they start anything new and you just mentioned it, the key, I got to quiet my voice, right? I have to be the one that 
is in charge of that narrative. If I just let my head talk to me, then God knows none of us would be here right now, right? Like we have to be the ones who are in front of that. And, you know, I love that you said when you started your podcast, you're like, hey, I'm an entrepreneur, but I want to gather some more entrepreneur skills. So this is the way. And, you know, I'll I'll be honest, we're going to talk about how to get your podcast going and get it successful at the end of this show. Low-key, that might be for me. <laughs> <laughs> Look, for the honestly, for the first two years of my podcast, I can I can honestly say that almost every single question was for me. Like yeah, totally, totally. I, every, almost I was everything going I through teach it. is for me. Truly. Yeah. yeah. Because I think like and as a coach, everything that I teach is from my personal, like it's what I live. And that's how I get my hands dirty with it. That's how I know if it works. It's you know, all of that stuff. And uh, so whatever it is that I'm sharing, this is a little behind the scenes, everybody, maybe I'm just outing myself right now, but whatever it is I'm sharing with the world is what I am learning or, you know, like going through and all of those types of things. So I love that you took that as a platform and then expanded it, not just for yourself. Like, I'm not just taking all of this great knowledge and, you know, squirreling it away, not sharing it with the world. Um, it's okay to share. So can you even talk about that a little bit? Cause I know we have talked about it before about the importance of not just absorbing other people's knowledge and, and information and all that kind of stuff, but the idea of giving back and pouring into others, like how have you been able to do that? And, and also how have you been able to do that and not have it be a drain on you? Yeah, it's a really good question. I, I I think that I've always led with giving. Uh, so I have a mastermind with six and seven figure entrepreneurs and actually flying out to San Diego tomorrow to meet with them for the weekend and super excited about that. But um, the, the number one rule within the mastermind is you give first. Um, and I believe abundance comes from giving first. Mm -hmm. uh, when you can give without expectation, the universe finds a way to come back and, and give back to you. And I've learned that. I learned that at a young age. And honestly, it probably started with the lack, the 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 idea that I don't I don't belong, yeah. right? And so, oh, how do I belong? Well, I can give, right? Yeah. And so, yes, a totally mutual friend same. of ours, Ed Milet, this is a really great story. Yeah. So he was on my podcast years ago, um, and we've stayed in touch since here and there, and just a, a really good human being. But I was waiting on Zoom, waiting for him to come on, and he just wasn't coming on. Yeah. And so I sent him an email, and I was like, Hey, Ed, waiting on Zoom. And he goes, hey, call me. My internet's not working. He gave me his phone number and I call him and we're chatting on the phone and, and we end up, we had to reschedule because something was going on with his internet. But uh, I, at the end of our conversation, I ended the way I almost end any conversation with, let me know how I can support you. Yeah. And there was just dead silence on the other side of the phone. And uh, he goes, hey, sorry. Um, nobody ever asks me that. Wow. And I was like, yeah. that kind of like led into the idea that like, okay, I'm just going to give as much as I possibly can. Yeah. Right. And then he was, you know, he sent out an email to his email list. I think there was a million people strong at the time about the podcast. And, you know, all these huge wins came from that simple sentence. Right. Uh, and so why not take that approach into life? I'm also a big believer that there is no competition, only collaboration. Um, because look, at the end of the day, everything's energy. Uh, yep. My goal in my life is to make sure the energy is flowing with me instead of against me. And the only way I know how to do that is to, you know, give as much as I possibly can. Now to answer the second part of that, how do I make sure I'm not draining myself? I drained myself for years. Yeah. Pouring from an empty cup, not being able to, to fend for myself yet helping so many other people. Uh, and so 
I ask a question to every single person on the show. It's a two-part question. What's your definition of success? What are three things you do every single day to ensure that success for yourself? And this is probably the only common tie between all of my guests is that the three things they do every single day is to serve themselves in some way, shape, or form, whether it's moving their body, meditation, um, learning something new, doing all these things. And so I now have four non-negotiables every single day um, to make sure that I'm filling my cup. And so the, the four things that I do, I'll tell them real quick. I move my body in some way, shape, or form, whether it's going out for a walk or going in the basement and lifting or whatever. The second thing is I learn something new every single day, whether it's by reading an article, a book, a podcast. Third thing is I do a deep visualization every day um, to figure out where I'm going. It could be as simple as, hey, I've got a podcast with Sarah coming up. Let me visual. How do I want that to flow? Or it could be something big. Like, where do I see myself when I'm 65 years old? You know, uh, you know, what's the house look like? What's who's surrounding me? And then the fourth thing is I reach out to somebody uh, that I care about every single day and just let them know I'm thinking about them. Uh, And that's actually probably been the coolest thing over time because I've been doing that for years. Uh, And rarely does a day go by where somebody doesn't reach out to me and say, hey, how's everything going? Just wanted to check in. And it's become like a really cool like circle. And that might be the only time I talk to the person for six months. Um, But it's me just reaching out. Hey, checking in. Hope you're well, blah, blah, blah. Not expecting anything. Just wanted to let you know I'm thinking about you. Uh, And it's been a beautiful thing. And it just fills my cup knowing I can be there for people. Yeah. And it's also, you know, in a world where there's so limited connection, genuine connection, um, and where, you know, your friends and family can be like, Hey, I see what you're doing on social. I don't even need to text you. Or I can say happy birthday in a comment. I don't have to call you on your birthday anymore. I don't have, you know, like, I love that you are taking that personal moment to have genuine connection with people. And, and you're right. In the example uh, that you gave with Ed, like, And I was very much the same. So I think you and I have so much in common from our background perspective um, in that I always approached it like, what can I bring? What can I offer? I knew that I was nine times out of 10 in rooms with or friends with people who were at what felt like unattainable success to me. I'll just be honest. Like it was like, y'all are on like 10 (laughs) levels above where I'm at. I'm lucky to be in this room type thing. But, But at the same time, I always was looking like, what do I bring to the table then? Like I can't compete on nine out of 10 of these things, but the thing that I can bring to the table has to bring genuine value that it feels like an even give and take. And Mm -hmm. that really led me to kind of look at what my own personal skill set was and to get better at it. Right. And one was building genuine relationships through genuine connection, Um, And that means caring about the person, not caring about like, how do I get something out of you? And I'm going to be nice to you until I get it. But like truly caring and making yourself vulnerable in a way that allows the other person to do that too. So, you know, I suggest for anybody out there, uh, women, especially, because I think we're, we're harder on ourselves in the way that we don't know what our, our skill set is a lot of times, and we don't know what we bring to the table. um, And we just kind of assume everyone is doing all the things better than we are. Uh, but you have every single one of you out there have a unique skill set that cultivate it, get better at it and lead with it because you never know where it's going to take you. Like it's taken you, Justin, I just, I just love that. So can we talk a little bit also about, you know, now the podcast you're into what 500 episodes did I see? Yeah. We're a couple of oh weeks away God. from 500, which is uh, just, just wild. Epic. Like, Jesus. yeah. 
Yeah, seven and a half years. Um, oh I, I actually just started this last year. I voluntarily take off December. So I don't release any episodes in December. And I'm, I'm doing it again this year um, to kind of just give myself a break. Because yeah. podcasts, are, it's a lot of work. Like it's a <laughs> lot of you know, prep and energy, you know, in the conversations and, you know, making sure everything's done the right way. Um, and so December for me, is just, I, I just shut it down and I take a breath and I, you know, whatever I might do one or two interviews in December, but they won't be released until after the new year. But, but yeah, coming up on 500 episodes. And, um, a lot of times I honestly, a lot of times I miss my milestones, like, cause it's just part of the routine now, like every, every Tuesday we release that episode, um, but this one feels, this one feels really big. Like it feels it really, epic. really Five, cool. I don't know anyone who has 500 episodes. That's amazing. <laughs> That's incredible. So share with us, you know, before you and I jumped on, um, I totally told you I was going to pick your brain on this, right? Because, uh, I did my podcast as you probably know in 2020, I think I did 60, close to 60 episodes. Um, and then we got out of 2020 and it was like, cool, real life again. <laughs> so yeah. Did not record again until like two weeks ago. Um, and definitely something I wanted to get back into. I never really thought I was taking a forever break. Uh, and I forgot how much I did love it. I'm very glad to be back, but it is not my strongest thing. It's not the, you know, the thing that I'm ever going to be known for. I, I do it for these conversations and for this connection and hopefully that it helps other people. But um, what is some of your advice? I'm sure people like are constantly trying to grill you on all this stuff, but for, let's start with, for the beginner or the person who wants to get a podcast off the ground, what's your advice? What are some of the tips? Yeah. So, I mean, look, I think niching down is super key. Um, that's talking to, uh, somebody who doesn't already have a following, somebody who right. hasn't already built a base, right? Like niching down into specific topics, really important, but more importantly, enjoy the conversations you're having. Uh, mm-hmm. podcasting is an interesting medium. Uh, and I, what I mean by that is there's no hacks, there's no cheats, there's no hashtags. There's none of that. That's going to help you grow your show. Sure. You can run some ads on Spotify that gets really spicy, really quick. Um, so it's not even worth it nine times out of 10. Um, but, but really enjoy the conversations you're having, utilize it as a, a great networking tool, um, and then use it to help build and cultivate a brand. Uh, and so the way I look at podcasting for a majority of the world, and by the way, I have clients who we've worked with. So I own a couple companies in the podcast space. Uh, I have clients who work with, with millions of followers, like millions, and their podcast does 2000 downloads an episode. So yeah. why are they doing it? Well, number one, it's the best, greatest way to create content for your social media. Um, that's huge. Helps you build your brand. Number two, the networking, right? Like yeah, yeah. if I, if, if my target market was CEOs, which is not, but if it was, and I reached out to a CEO and I said, Hey, I'd love to hop on a call and sell you something. They're going to say no. But if I say, Hey, I'd love to hop on a call on, and have you on my podcast. I love what you're doing with your business. The answer is going to be yes. Like it's right. literally the greatest networking tool of all time. Um, 100%. Yeah. And I, I look at it's it like, you know, take. people. It's the one give and take, right? It's like, yeah. I'm not just asking you for something, but they're getting something out of it too, because they can utilize it as well. A hundred percent. And then utilize that to help build your, to raise your platform up right now. You're now, you know, people view me as somebody who's on the same level as you and on the same level as Ed Milet and on the same level as Gabby Bernstein and all these people have been on the show. You know, I've been able to raise my profile. Uh, And then in turn, what you can do with that long-term is create partnerships that make sense. Right. Uh, And I, I share this pretty openly. The last sponsor I had on my show, other than running my own ads for my own companies, uh, they paid me $20,000 for 12 episodes. Awesome. And so, 
now if I broke down the math on per thousand downloads like what they should have paid me, they should have paid me 3,800. Um, but because I had the platform and the positioning, I was able to create those partnerships at a higher level. Um, and so it's really about showing up, enjoying the conversations, utilizing the show in more ways than, oh, just hopefully somebody goes and listens to the hour long episode. Um, right. And then utilizing that to kind of continue to build your brand because you're you're placing yourself on the level of so many people that you might not share a stage with them. You might not yeah. be on their podcast. You might not do those things. But if they're on your show, you're at a different level. Oh, I love that. Okay, what not to do? What are absolutely like, I did that and that sucked and I wouldn't do it again. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I, inconsistency is, is a, is bad. Like don't random My thing. I've got to, I've got to <laughs> fix that. I, yeah. I know. <laughs> so I'll, I'll say this, right. Like, and what I mean by that is like, if you do two a month, you do two a month. If you do one a week, you do one a week. Um, yeah. but consistency is key. Cause I found that podcast listeners are creatures of habit. So, you know, the, if, I look at it like this. If I'm not there on a Tuesday when somebody was supposed to listen to me when they're at the gym, yeah. there's a good chance they're going to find another show and an even better chance that show is better than mine. So I might as well be in their ears because I'm part right. of the routine than yeah. anything else, right? And, and kind of build that trust. So be consistent. Um, that's number one. Uh, number two, like be true to who you are. Like I talked to so many people who are like, oh, I want to be like Rogan or I want to, well, you're not Rogan. You're not, by the way, Rogan's an anomaly. Like <laughs> I don't think we'll ever see another podcaster like that ever again. Like the, the, I, I've have, I have a couple of friends who've been on his show a couple of times. And the one was on a show for like the sixth or seventh time. And he's like, my team did an analysis and they predicted a reach of 67 million people Jesus. when he, the last time he was on the show, like God. it's a, it's a, it's, in a different stratosphere. Right. So just be true to who you are. Like, don't try and be somebody else. Don't copy somebody else's model, be genuine to who you are. Um, and, and then just continue, continue to build on that and understand that sometimes it's okay to close your eyes to the numbers, um, yeah. and not worry about that. So here's a, here's a fun statistic about podcasting. 80% of podcasts do less than hundred downloads an episode. Wow. Yeah. And that, by the way, that's been the same numbers for the last seven and a half years, it's been 80%. Crazy. Yeah. Crazy. Okay. Uh, and so, all right. I don't, don't feel worry bad about now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Dude, when I speak at, when I speak at like PodFest and stuff, I put up that statistic and I go, now who just said, oh, I'm not as bad as I thought. Right, 90% right. Like, of the room okay, raises okay, their I'm hand. Encouraged. Maybe I'll be consistent now. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And 90% of the there, room raises way. their hand. <laughs> but I, I think, I think those things will, will help at least begin to build those relationships. And I always look at like, whoever's listening to your podcast, they're your super fan. Like they're willing to, to hang out with you for an hour every single week. Like they are your super fan, utilize them in so many different ways. As far as like building community around them, having them come to your events, having them do all those things. Like those are the people that are all in. Uh, I love that. And thanks for um, telling me what I knew I needed to hear and was avoiding. <laughs> <laughs> So I'm just going to put it out there. I am a person who will put my foot to the fire and will step up when I know I need to step up. So listeners, you can hold me accountable. Um, I'm going to be accountable and I'm going to be consistent and I'm going to do a show a week. And, um, you know, like you have 500 shows, you're the shit. So why the fuck wouldn't I listen to you and do what you say? <laughs> yeah, by the way, real quick, <laughs> you were originally on my show. You were episode 130. Oh my God. And then your wow. when your episode comes out, I believe your episode 498 as well. So like Yay. 
Dang. A big gap. That's a big yeah, gap. Yeah, that I mean, that's just that's freaking so awesome. And I love that you have remained consistent, but then also have grown your business in other ways. So let's talk about that a little bit. I think anyone who wants to be in a space where they are making money off of their passion, whatever, whatever that looks like as an entrepreneur, um, that's always one of the big looming questions. How do I make money from the thing I want to do? How do I make money from social media or how do I make money from my audience or whatever? And everyone has their, you know, million different ways that you're supposed to do it. So you feel like you're doing it wrong, no matter who you're listening to, but what has it been like? Talk about that journey a little bit on the various ways that you've expanded your business and take advantage of opportunities and built things out. What has worked and what hasn't? Yeah. So I think, you know, first of all, when I started to make money as an entrepreneur, it was the low hanging fruit. People would come to me and they'd say, Hey, I need help with, a, I want to do a podcast. Can you help me? Right. And so I was the the go-to expert for that. Um, started out being really, really broke and then had a conversation with a guy named Mike Kim, who's a dear friend over some drinks while him and I were speaking at an event in, or in Orlando. And he's like, dude, you're, he's like, you're literally racing to go broke right now. He's like, you have to understand that you have so many wins in podcasting. You need to pay charge properly for your time. So my hourly rate went through the roof. People were still hiring me um, and was really kind of in that niche of podcasting, but I knew I didn't want to stay there. Right. I didn't want to be the podcast guy. I wanted to tell my story. I wanted to change lives. I wanted to do all that stuff. And so what I would do People would bring me in to speak about podcasting, and I would spend the first 10 to 12 minutes of every talk telling my story. Right. Um, and so I was literally slowly shifting my yeah, position. Good conversation, yeah. Yeah, because obviously, look, yes, I was the expert of podcasting, but I don't want to talk about what microphone you need to go buy. Exactly. Like, that does not interest me <laughs> yeah. whatsoever. Uh, and so I slowly started to shift the narrative, and there would be somebody there to go, oh, will you come tell that story to my group? And then it started with small groups. Okay. Uh, really started in the addiction space and started talking to the to people in the addiction space because of the story with my mom. Right, right. Um, and then some schools and colleges started to bring me in, and then it's grown into some some bigger opportunities with corporate and and some other things as well. And that was really kind of my passion. And I was like, I want to do my own event. Hence the yeah. one you spoke at in 2019. Yeah. And that's, a, a, again, it was like, okay, here's my one big shot to go. How do I bring this audience together? Right. right. It was scary. It was oh scary. My God. Talk about that a little bit because people don't understand, you know, <laughs> like when you go to these events and you follow someone online, you're like, oh, that looks easy and da, da, da. I can't even begin to describe the amount of stress and anxiety and questioning and fear and how many times when I'm done, I'm like, I'm never doing that again, but I, <laughs> I kind of want to do that again. And it's just, it is this crazy, um, yeah, venture. I don't even know what to call it, but, but talk to me about what it was like putting on that first really big event as a first time kind of conference host and what you went through and how you overcome came those thoughts in your head. Yeah. So uh, I have to preface this story with a, a different thing. So back when I was 25 or 26, I actually had a company that we put together events, mm. um, just local, local events for local entrepreneurs. Then we did a nonprofit expo. Uh, and then we were going to do a huge business expo. We paid a guy, Bill Rancic, a lot of money to come speak. Uh, Cause we just, you know, every dollar we had made up to this point, we just saved. It was still yeah. a part-time thing on the side. And uh, we ended up selling three tickets to the event completely oh. bankrupted us and we shut down the, the company. And I was like, I'm never doing this events mm -hmm. again. So that was also weighing in on me. Um, but I realized one thing, and I think this is, this is a, a big thing when you're pushing through discomfort. 
I have this opportunity to have amazing conversations with people that shaped my life, that made me a better person, uh, that has pushed me to grow multiple businesses, that has pushed me to speak on stages I would have never spoken on before. And I was like, well, how do I give that to other people? Like, it wasn't about like, hey, let me make money. It was like, how do I give what I have to other people without them having to build a podcast and getting getting some breaks right. like I did with Inc. Magazine and all these things? Like, how do I do that? And so that's, that was the idea behind the podcast or behind the live event. Um, but it was scary. Now, at the peak of my show, I was doing about 10,000 downloads an episode. We're a little bit under that now just because there's so many more podcasts than there used to be. Um, so I was like, oh, this is going to be easy. I'm going to announce this event. I'm going to sell right, it out. Right. Oh, uh, nope. Announced it to <laughs> Ticket crickets. sales is like the most stressful thing in the whole planet, I swear. Yeah. And so I had a conversation with a guy named Chris Kermitzos who runs PodFest where 2,000 podcasters come together every single year. I go, dude, what am I, how do I do this? He goes, well, how many days out are you? I, I go, 100. He goes, all right, how many tickets have you sold? He's, I said, 50. He's like, how many do you want to sell? I said, 150. He goes, every single day, you need to have a meaningful conversation to sell the last 100. Um, uh, and I did. And I did. Wow. And I think we ended up selling like 163 tickets to the event. 158 people showed up, which that show rate's unheard of as yeah, well. Yeah, no kidding. Yeah, there was a lot of things that were like, oh, okay, wow, this I'm on the right track, right? Yeah. Um, and so it was, it was really, really stressful. A lot of lost sleep. Um, I mean, my now wife, who we were just newly dating at the time, she would have told you that I was a mess. Um, and so like, it was, it was one of those things where, um, I pushed through and then you have this big payoff. Like you said, I'm never doing this again. And then you have this big payoff and you're like, oh my gosh, that was amazing. Hi, yeah, People hi. had a ton of fun. Um, and so I was like, okay, let me do it again. So I was planning to do it in 2020. Yeah. And at this point, I really shifted away from the podcast stuff. Like I was really focused on me, my brand, live events, potentially launching a mastermind of some kind, like this really shifting. Uh, and then we know what happened in 2020. Right. Well, guess what? When you when you're booking 10 speaking gigs a year, which is a six figure salary oh, for you, and that goes away <laughs> yep. uh, and your live event, that's the other chunk of your money that goes away. I actually when the pandemic hit, I lost 70 percent of my income Oh yeah, same. Uh, overnight. Yep. And so I really had to pivot and shift and it took me a while to figure it out. Um, but I can say to this point, I'm more financially secure, financially sound. Um, my heart is more pure. Yeah. Uh, it, it really gave me an opportunity to kind of step back and go, what am I, what am I really doing here? Um, and we'll see if there's another event in the future. It's, yeah. it's starting to, it's starting to tickle the back of my brain. I know. Again, so it's, we'll it's, see. it's this little bug that gets in. Well, first of all, I just want to say thank you for being so vulnerable and sharing that. Thank you so much because it almost makes me emotional because being in this space, um, especially for me, I don't know if it's like this for most people, but, um, I'm a single mom, as you well know. So it's me and my daughters at this point, my son's off in college. And so 99% of my life is me, <laughs> you know, I have, um, a team, I have some other people that I work with, but for the most part, like the day in and day out stuff is me. And I was like you in 2020, 2020 was actually the first year that I had the most bookings, um, on the live schedule. I was so excited. Momentum had finally really taken off. I was being booked like crazy. Uh, then I lost all of that revenue. Not only that, I was in the middle of uh, a book tour, my second book tour that I was putting on myself around the country, mm. um, and fronting and had to refund all those tickets. Uh, so in a matter of a, a week, I went from what was about to be the best year ever, uh, to literally being in the hole and going like, I don't know how I'm going to keep a roof over our head. Like, 
overnight. Um, and it was terrifying. And I did obviously what you did and what everyone else did is figured it out. It wasn't fun, yeah. <laughs> but it made has definitely made me a whole lot stronger um, as an entrepreneur and coach and lots of other things. Um, but I, I want to just say and acknowledge and say thank you for being real and and open with that because I think a lot of people have assumptions by whatever, by what's out there, by what they can see, by the accolades, you know, that you've achieved, that everything is rosy and hunky dory and, yeah. and perfect. And and I'm also so grateful for the conversation you and I had uh before we we did our show last week. Um of you just being honest and just saying like, Hey, Sarah, why don't you have a mastermind? Like I have this mastermind. I'm loving it. It's a, this great format. Like people really get to connect and get to know each other and get to share value with each other. Not just me kind of like pouring in, like we do this together. And I honestly needed that conversation. I, I really, really did. I needed someone to say like, yeah, it's okay to step up, to go to the next level, to, push yourself to do it. So just like I'm going to be taking your advice on being consistent, I freaking did it. I launched that uh, mastermind. By the way, I saw oh, you yeah. announce it. And I was like, that's quick. That's <laughs> so quick. You know I love I, it. I don't fuck around. Once I'm like, okay, like, cause it had been in the back of my mind for probably two or three years. And I was just sitting there, sitting there, sitting there, like, and I needed that one conversation. I needed that one person to just be like, yeah, like, what are you doing? Go for it. <laughs> yeah. um, so thank you so much. And thank you for being open again and sharing that. And, and like you said, not having that, which a lot of people do. Oh, like I can't compete. I don't want to share my secrets on how I'm making money in this industry or whatever. Like, oh my God, that's driving nuts. So <laughs> I appreciate yeah. you sharing it with me, but being vulnerable in this space where a lot of people listening are like, okay, like, if everything isn't going hunky dory and it isn't perfect, it doesn't mean I'm failing. It doesn't mean I should stop doing this. It doesn't mean I'm terrible at it. It just means like, this is part of the journey and how bad do I want it? So when you've had those struggles and setbacks in your business, what has helped you push through it and not give up and not say, well, fuck this. I'm just going to go get a real job. <laughs> yeah. I, I think, I think it's a, a number of different things. And I, you know, Number one is, um, you know, I, I think a lot of people rely on me to continue to show up, um, whatever that looks like. Uh, and who am I to not push through those tough times? Um, you know, it's I, I think honestly, like if you're an entrepreneur and you've built something big and it falls apart and then you go, I've got two options right now. I could quit uh, and go back and do the easy thing and get a job and do those things, or I'm going to rebuild something even stronger and better than before. I think it's, I think it's selfish of you to say, I'm going to just go get a job. Yeah. Um, because I believe entrepreneurs are the things, the, the individuals that are moving the world forward, hopefully in a positive way, there are some negative ones, um, plenty of them, unfortunately, but you know, the good ones are the ones moving the world forward in a positive way. Um, you know, I think number two, having the right people in my corner was, was huge through all of it. And so I'll share this with you. Like when I was 19, I heard the quote, that quote that everybody says, you know, you're the average of the five people you spend the most time right. with Jim Rohn. One of the most famous quotes. Well, when I heard it, when I was 19, I thought I had to get rid of all my friends, go find five millionaires and go hang out with them. So I could figure out how to be a, a millionaire. Uh, and then very quickly went, well, why would five millionaires want to hang out with a 19 year old punk? <laughs> right? Like I was like, this is the dumbest quote of all right. time in my whole life. I was like, this quote's dumb. It's dumb. And, uh, 
you know, fast forward, I've created success. And I kind of look back and I said, well, who are the, who are my five people? Who, who have I surrounded myself with? And I realized through my evolution, there was always five roles that were filled in my life. Um, and I'll share them with you real quick. So the first one is like your cheerleader, that person who, when you get off the phone with them, you feel like you can run through a brick wall, like that cheerleader person who you call, I've got a million dollar idea. And they're like, no, because you're leading it. It's a billion dollar idea. That person. Second person is your bruiser. This is the person that challenges you, questions you, whether you're doing it the right way, says, have you looked at it this way? You know, really makes you uncomfortable in those moments of decision. Um, Super important person that most people avoid, but they're really important in your life. Um, mine's actually Justin Cavanaugh, who mm. also spoke at the yeah, event. Yeah. He, he's my bruiser. He's a tough, he's tough. Um, the third person is your softy. So when, when you do fall down, this person who allows you to cry, right? That shoulder to cry on, but then they help lift you back up. They don't let you stay in that place. Fourth person is a mentor. Uh, the mentor is somebody who you, uh, I, I look at it a little bit differently. They have something innate in them that you want more of in yourself, right? So like my person's Fabio Viviani. Um, who he is my mentor, not because I want to run restaurants, not because I need to make $300 million a year. Uh, but he is my mentor because he gives so much of himself to every single person he comes in contact with that I want to continue to be more of that person. And then the fifth person is a coach. I believe at any given time, you should be financially invested in your future, whether that's a coach in business, whether that's a coach in relationships and spirituality, I've had coaches in all of them. I believe that you should always be invested in your future because where money goes, you know, energy flows, right? And so you're going to put in the work if you're if you're investing in yourself. And I realized in my evolution, I've had all of those five people. They've changed over time, um, but I've had those five people. And what happens is those rock bottom moments become a lot easier, and then your wins become even better because you have this core group of people that you chose that celebrate with you, uh, that applaud you, that cheer you on. And so I think that's really what has helped me get through those moments uh, and to really kind of check in. And I challenge people listening to this to go back and, and listen to those five people again and do a check-in. Do you have those five people in your life? Um, because I, I really think that is the game changer. If people can find those five people, um, the world would be a much better place. People are going to be hitting their goals. People are going to be happier. People are going to be healthier. Uh, it's good, just going to be a beautiful thing. And so that for me has helped me get through every single rock bottom moment. And here's the reality. When my mom passed away, um, I was blackout drunk six nights a week for three months straight, numbing the pain, right? My self-awareness was still there. I knew what I was doing. Like I knew I was numbing the pain. Uh, And I had a coach at the time and she called me one day out of the blue and she goes, um, she goes, what are you doing tonight? And I go, I'm going out with some friends. And she goes, no, you're not. You're going to sit there and you're going to feel this shit. Mm. And I was like, okay. And so that night I stayed in, it was the worst night of my life. Yeah. But I woke up the next morning. I had two realizations. The first one was my mom didn't die because she was an addict. My mom died because she didn't love herself. Mm-hmm. And the second thing was I didn't love myself either. Wow. And I really started to put in the work in that moment to go, okay, like how do I begin this process? That's when those first two years of the podcast, the questions were all for me. And I was going, yeah. what's self-love? How do I find it? Like these crazy right, things, right. right? And what in that moment when I hit that rock, that was my rock bottom moment, right? Coming out of that three-month blackout, drunk, bender, whatever, that was my rock bottom moment. And I made a promise to myself that that I'm declaring that as my rock bottom moment. Um, doesn't mean not, bad things. Yeah, are gonna I'm not going to go back to, um, yeah, that's going to yeah. be it. <laughs> it doesn't, it doesn't mean that bad, like, look, my business failed since then, right. right? Like I had to rebuild, I had to do all these things. Um, but I didn't allow myself to be affected by it anymore. Uh, and I think that's kind of the power of when you can take control over the fact where you define your rock bottom moment, and you don't allow it to affect you ever again that's when you can take control and and every 
hurdle is just that a hurdle, right. To get over. Um, and so it took me a lot of pain to figure that out. Um, and I hope me saying it, people don't have to go through that pain to define that for themselves. Oh my God. So, so true. So do you have any tips on what if you don't have any of those people in your life or what if you just have the softy and you don't have yeah. anyone to tell you the truth about stuff or you don't feel like you have any cheerleaders in your corner? Is there anything that people can do to try and gather those five? Cause I agree mm -hmm. with you. They're so critical and without it, you, you, you do have a void and it's just so much harder to get where you want to go without yeah. having a crew around you start a podcast and just start interviewing celebrities. No. Uh, <laughs> uh, no so, so the, the, the Aim high, baby, is, let's go. <laughs> um, just get in the room. Yeah. Um, you have to get uncomfortable in order to change your life. Uh, whether that's getting in a room, starting a business, starting a podcast to connect with the people that are thinking at a higher level, you have to disrupt the life you've already created for yourself in order to change the people that are around you. Um, I still pay to go to events all the time just to get in the room, to meet people, to whatever. And, and you know, obviously my, my goal is to get to the top people in the room every time. How do I, how do I hang out with the speakers? If I'm not a speaker here, how do I, you know, how do I figure out how to get into the right people? Um, and again, it usually starts by giving, Hey, how can I support you? Um, and be, really begin to be intentional about, you know, finding those individuals. And so whatever you have to do to get in the room of people that are thinking at a higher level, joining a mastermind is a great way to do it. Um, you know, joining a community, there's plenty of low cost communities of people right. talking about ev every single topic possible. Like, yeah literally every single topic possible. My my dear friend, Liz Wilcox has a, a community about email marketing that has thousands of people in it. She charges $9 a month. Well, you can yeah. get in there and start talking about people who are looking to, looking to move their life in a forward direction for nine bucks a month. So right. there's plenty of things that you're able to kind of, um, you know, put yourself, get yourself into the right rooms. You just have to open your eyes and, and be aware of it. Uh, and you'll find those people when you're more open to it. Like now that you know that these are the people that you need, right. like you'd be like, okay, well, that person seems like a bruiser. Let me figure that out. By the way, I believe the best coaches are bruisers. People are willing For to sure. call you out. Someone's so going to hold some, you accountable. Yep. Sometimes yep. you just hire that bruiser, right? Like, so <laughs> exactly. you always, True. you can always just find a way, um, but you can't continue to do what you're doing now. You have to get uncomfortable. Oh, I love it. Okay. So totally switching gears here. What's it like to be a husband? <laughs> Congratulations you know, on that. Thank you. Um, and to have a family now, talk to us a little bit about what that transition has been like in your life. Yeah. So, so we've now been married for about to be seven months. So, oh, you know, we're not setting any world records yet, but you know, seven months in and, and things are good, but, but we've lived together for three years. I mean, we've been essentially living together as a married couple for three years. Yeah. Um, the only thing that really changed after we married is her last name and I wear a ring now. Um, uh, but I think being in a position where I'm now a husband and there's children involved, I look at them like they're my my own. Mm -hmm. um, you know, when I look at that, it it empowers me more to make big decisions to create success. Um, it's a legacy, not, right? Like, it's, yeah, it's, it's I mean, just you. It, it's it's not just me anymore, right? So every decision has much of a bigger weight than anything else, uh, which makes it more powerful. And honestly, like since we've gotten married, like it's been nothing but success. Like yeah. because because again, it comes from a place that's outside of me, right? right? To be able to make those decisions for other people as well, um, I think that's a powerful thing. Um, and now again, you know, talking legacy, right? Like my wife is amazing. Like we just formed an LLC together, and we're going to get into some real estate investing and like you know, crazy things like that. But 
um, it's really changed the way that I think it's just at a higher level now. And it was almost just, it was instant. It was just instant. Like you put that ring on and it, it just means so much more. It's not about how, how do I afford that next cool trip for myself? It's like, how do I create a life and a legacy for myself and beyond? Um, yeah. That's the beauty of it. And the fact that you have influence and um, you're being watched by kids, right? So whatever role you're playing in their life, it's a role that is going to impact their everything, their development, what they see, what what's they can believe is possible for themselves. And that's a powerful thing in its own right, right? It holds us accountable yeah. to a different level. Yeah, I tell I've I've told them multiple times, like, look, you're gonna end up in therapy and therapy is an okay thing. And you're probably <laughs> gonna talk so. about me. You're probably gonna talk about me, and that's that's fine. Like yeah. just understand that it's okay to go to it was therapy. coming from love. It was coming from love. <laughs> <laughs> All of it from love. All right. So the last question I have for you is what does growth mean to you? You know, I know that's been a big part of your podcast, your movement, all of all of those things. Like, what's growth mean to you now? How and how are you growing? Yeah, I think growth for me um, is just understanding that there's no end point. I think my whole entire life growing up, I was chasing something that would lead to happiness, right? So I looked at success as, you know, finally getting the things that I was chasing, uh, and then I could be happy. But for me, is for me, growth is understanding that, like, even if things aren't going my way, I'm still happy. Uh, pushing forward to be a better person today than I am yesterday. Uh, it has nothing to do with money or things. Uh, it's all internal for me, just constantly trying to work on things like my patience and, um, you know, my, my ability to love myself, continuing to grow, um, you know, and understanding that like, it's just a constant evolution until life is over. Um, and that there is no end point to it, but it's just that daily motion that we can take to make ourselves better and the world around us better. Yeah. I love that self-awareness. I mean, growth and self-awareness go together, right? You kind of can't yeah. have one without the other. Um, and that is, it's so key to be able to even understand what it is that needs to change or where you need to grow. So gosh, I, I love this conversation. I knew that I would. Where can everybody go to follow the podcast, to learn about the mastermind, all the good things that you're up to? Yeah. So wherever they listen to this podcast, they can just search growth. Now it'll pop up. Uh, and I always say, check out a couple episodes. If you like it, click subscribe and come on the journey with me. Um, cause we are all just on a journey. Uh, and if they want to follow me, Instagram is my favorite at Justin T shank. You can see how to spell my name in the show notes. <laughs> I'll put all the good uh, links in there. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and so those are, those are really the two places that I hang out the most. Um, and Facebook, my Facebook's been doing really well lately. Know, so right? Mine has too. I'm like, what? Facebook <laughs> must like, have like stepped up their acknowledgement of creator yeah. or something, but I have no idea, but I like it. So they can find me there as well, just by searching my name. Um, yeah. but yeah, I just, th thank you so much for the opportunity to come and share with your audience. Uh, I love it. Thank you so much for being on the show, Justin, everybody go, uh, give us feedback as well. I'll post, uh, this episode and let us know what resonated with you. Um, what spoke to you go follow Justin and thanks again for giving all of your knowledge and wisdom. Thanks, Justin. Until thank next you. time, everybody hustle and thrive. Thanks for listening. And remember, if you got value from today's show, please spread the love by clicking subscribe, leaving a stellar review, and telling everyone you know. And join us next time on The Sarah Centrella Show.